All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winners in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the doctor amongst men, Duncan Joyce. How's it going, Dunk? I need your clothes, your boots, and your SmackDown hot takes. <laughs> I'm so glad you started out with a bit of Arnie, because we are going to have plenty of that coming up. <laughs> you'll, you'll be sick of it by the end, yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, lots is going on. Yeah, I've been very busy. Um, last couple of weeks, always had something on. Been to uh, Grimfest, the annual horror film festival here in Manchester. We went away to a place called Hackfall in Yorkshire for our wedding anniversary, which was absolutely ace. And yeah, just all sorts of things. I, I hear things are pretty busy year end as well. Yeah, so I've um, been away twice this week into like outback New South Wales and outback Queensland. None of these are short trips. And we've got eight days before we pack up and head over to Tokyo. So very much looking forward to the first overseas holidays in five years. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. I know. we're. Um, it's going to be a lot of like theme park and kids stuff, which is great. But mm-hmm. the one thing like I was like, oh, I looked at the schedule and I've managed to land in Osaka when New Japan has a show in Osaka, but I, you can't buy tickets online. I just don't understand Japan at all. Oh, okay. It might be walk-up then. You, apparently you can buy them at 7-Eleven in Japan is what <laughs> I could deduct from looking at the thing. So I'm just going to, I'm going to chance it when I get there. Mm, okay. But yeah, we're doing Disney, doing Universal. Um... Yeah, I've got to plan a few more things yet, because other than that, we're not really booked much, other than hotels, planes, and, and those two theme parks for the kids, but oh. I'm sure we're going to cram a hell of a lot more in. Does that mean you get to see Mario Land? Yeah, so on you know, it was difficult, actually, like, booking, like, you know, what I consider well in advance, but um, the, the guaranteed entry into those things sell out before the day tickets, I guess, so... Uh-huh. We, the way we planned to be in Osaka was like, I guess, something like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, something close to that. And, you know, we always try and go to theme parks on weekdays just so it's a little bit less crowded. Um, and, yeah, the, the Friday where we had booked already booked the tickets for the first day, all the fast passes and the guaranteed entry had sold out. Um, so then we'll push the second day back to the Monday. So those four, you know, three extra days, basically there was still some left. So guaranteed on the Monday, I'll get into, into super Nintendo world. If I don't get there on the Friday. Okay. Mm. So yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. Um, yeah, just uh, keen to get away from work, get on holiday and, you know, great timing for us to record and put something out before I head away. Oh, Definitely. Um, we probably should talk some wrestling. So we're here to watch the November 11th episodes of Thunder and SmackDown. So by my account, Duncan, including, I guess, the pilot, this will be the the third, no, the 11th episode, 13th episode of SmackDown, I think it was. Um, and I think it's at this point where, like, I'm by no means saying we should stop watching and reviewing, but, like, the, Sim- the old Simpsons meme of, like, stop, he's already dead is just coming to me after I watch these two shows. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, in quality-wise, yeah. Okay, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you save the ratings for the end now, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay, but, yeah. I mean, just... We, as, as my kickoff to, to the Annihilation, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I am I'm was watching these two shows, particularly... I watched Thunder first. I don't know which order you did it in this time around. Well, I think this is going way, way back. I believe this was the last pair of shows I watched before 
my network subscription ran out because I was furious at Cody Rhodes losing or whatever. So I was like, right, no, I'm treating myself this time. I'm starting with SmackDown. I want some Arnie. <laughs> so I did the opposite and I watched Thunder first and um, it was probably three segments in and I, I actually sat there and I just thought for a moment, I don't think Thunder is ever going to beat SmackDown again for the rest of its existence. That, that'll sound about right. I'm sure they had a boost in interest from the, those writers from New York turning up and booking some actual stars on there, but the quality I don't think is going to take a, a a boost up whatsoever. No, I don't think so. Um, uh, all right, well, I, I think we should probably jump in and do it then. You said you watched SmackDown first. So I always like to let the guests pick. So why don't we go over to what we probably both consider the A-show and start with a smile. Yeah, sure. SmackDown starts with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler as the commentary team this week. And in a very, very rare WWF um, production blip, I can't hear the commentary at the start of the show. Did you have the same issue, don't you? Oh, totally. The audio mixing all throughout the show is really, really weird. Um, I couldn't hear the crowd properly. It kind of felt like you were traveling down a tunnel on the train or something. Mm-mm. Yeah, very, very strange for WWF in 99. We see um, DX coming out, and we are shown some footage of Monday Night Raw, Vince losing his mind over them hassling Stephanie. Um, A lot of bad dick jokes (laughs) at Vince's expense, um, including a stained dress from an anchor, uh, from an actor, sorry. Um, Only Triple H doing the talking here was the first point I've got with with DX. They have very much become just his um, backup lackeys now. Oh, what what a disgusting segment this was. (laughs) <laughs> not the best um, Vince coming out did temporarily perk it back up um, and he's going to book an early Survivor Series match so it's going to be Shane McMahon Test Kane and The Rock to take on DX with the special enforcer of Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, Triple H then insults Test and he runs out but takes a beat down from the four of them including a bloody nose um, he looked pretty stupid coming out to be the valiant babyface just to get his ass kicked and walk to the back and yeah like segment uh, first segment a bit of a happy for the match announcement but i think i'm with you like shit jokes triple h doing all the talking and they're making tests look weak like i don't know what they set out to achieve on this one very very lame very disturbing topical stuff here relating to how they're treating stephanie and faking people out with something that's only slightly less disgusting at the very least i believe we got the podcast debut of that damn good as a catchphrase Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, History in the making. That's one good thing that comes from Triple H doing all the talking. And there's a good thing straight afterwards as we go to commercial. We see a vignette for one Kurt Angle soon to debut as the only real athlete in the WWF. 
Oh, yes. Where he first brings up the three eyes as well. He says that through his gold medal, he's got that extra something that all of the others have. Um, Before that, Cole also detailed Arnie coming, which got a huge pop pop from the crowd. And he promised exclusive footage of Big Show's daddy's funeral, which he promises will be disturbing and deplorable. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Um, We then go to Vince and the Stooges waiting on Arnie's arrival And we end up going to our next match Which is Edge with Christian taking on Hardcore Holly with Crash So the Stooges segment was really hilarious to me Because Vince is all there worrying about their behaviour When he's just had DX do this big rape culture promo And Michael Cole tells us that Oh, something really terrible happened at the big show dad's funeral yeah, but, this is um, one for the ages with poor taste. Oh my god, yeah, sure. Like, the Stooges are who you have to worry about. <laughs> um, we get a hot shot from Hardcore Holly and a clothesline. Edge comes back with a Russian leg sweep for a two count. We get a suplex and then a backdrop from Edge. A fisherman suplex gets a two and a tornado DDT. It's tornado DDT picks up a two. Hardcore comes back with his beautiful drop kick and then goes up top but gets crutched. Edge picks up the superplex for the one, two, three. Um, but it turns out Hardcore Holly actually bridged up on the pin and he's the winner, not Edge. So um, little variation on the old uh, switcheroo on who gets the win there. But not a bad little match if a little bit short. It's watchable, but I don't know about you. I always hate that finish. The guy taking the superplex, being savvy enough to cradle the guy who delivered the suplex, and apparently that's enough of a free count. Yeah, it's a bit of a cop-out, but um, Hardcore Holly won, so I'll allow it. (laughs) Yeah, I I did um, rapping about his dropkick earlier. I referred to it as his perfect dropkick. I don't think you can describe it without adding a superlative to it. Yeah, it is the best dropkick I think I've ever seen in wrestling. The only one that I'd say comes close would be Randy Orton. Uh, Okada is right up there for me. There's this one gif of him doing it that is absolutely spot on. And Gado, his manager at the time, was just absolutely freaking out for how good it was as well. It's sensational. There you go. Top three dropkicks in wrestling. Um <laughs> We then have the arrival of the Terminator. Arnie is here, gets out the limo. (laughs) He gives Vince a big hug and he's all, let's go for it. (laughs) This should be fun. We then go to the Godfather and D'Lo Brown. Sadly, they're not wrapped to the ring by Ice-T like they will be in a little while at WrestleMania 2000. (laughs) Um, And they're taking on the Dudley boys. Yeah, this is a preview of the Survivor Series elimination match that will come up this Sunday. D'Lo and Godfather will team with the Headbangers against the Dudleys and the Acolytes, and Cole describes it as a match that will not be for the weak of stomach. Yeah, I think he's probably got a point there. (laughs) I think so. Um, We got a preview as well of Big Show's funeral outfit with his leather trousers and leather jacket pairing and those shades. It certainly was a choice. Yeah. <laughs> While we're talking about outfits as well, by the way, the Godfather's ladies were actually allowed to wear their own outfits this time, and only one of them is parading his shirt around. Oh, there you go. We've got a backdrop from the Godfather, a clothesline, and a big boot. 
Bubba Ray with a pile driver, and then they do the what's up headbutt, but sadly I don't think the Budweiser added dropped yet, so there's no what's up in it. D'Lo with his beautiful leg lariat, and then a boot from Bubba Ray gets a two. Sky High from D'Lo gets a two. Running Powerbomb, which um, I'm still cringing at seeing in 99, even even many years later. Ho Train from Godfather, but no, Bubba Ray intercepts. And then the Ho's distract the referee inadvertently, and the Dudleys pick up the 3D for the one, two, three. Again, nothing special, but very watchable. The highlight of this match was Bubba Ray for me. That pile driver that you mentioned, the way he cut off the Godfather's whole train, and his sell job for the Sky High were just brilliant. Yeah, definitely some good stuff there by Bubba. I liked King had the line here saying, Happy hour only starts when the acolytes leave. <laughs> not bad, not bad. We go backstage and DX is uh, chatting strategy for their upcoming Survivor Series match. At least that's what I think because I cannot understand a word that's going on with this audio problems. Um, cannot make out what X-Pac says at all after two watches. Yeah, so the gist of it is Billy's warning them that Vince is going to keep Steph under lock and key because Triple H made those nasty comments earlier. And Pac, I think he was legit whispering, but it might have been the audio problems, as you mentioned. He switched the subject to Austin, and for some reason that made them all cheery again. Yeah. <laughs> um, we then, sorry, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm reading ahead on my, on my next note. <laughs> And it just says, Big Show's dad funeral. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, we, we see the Paul Bearers this time. Not Paul Bearer, although he would be an interesting <laughs> guest to have. It's just giant words on my page. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw um, a story Brian Eno told of one time he was out in New York with David Byrne and they were in the middle of getting mugged and... The minute David Byrne saw the mugger, he went, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I can believe it. Fair reaction. <laughs> uh, we go to a commercial. We see the Spyro 2 Rewind, and that's Val Venus costing Mankind and Al Snow the tag team titles on Raw. This takes us to our next match, which is Val Venus taking on the British Bulldog. But before the match starts, Val cuts a pretty lame in-ring promo on Al Snow. Yeah, so he's chiding Al for only having his doll getting jerked off the shelves with some second-rate Kmart to show for his 17-year career. He, Val, sorry, is teaming with Gangrel, Mark Henry, and Random Steve against the (laughs) Bulldog and the Posse at the Survivor Series. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, um, weird heel-face dynamic for that as well. Right, yeah, so he's in the middle of still being a heel and being supposedly in this feud with Alan Mankind, and he's up against heel Bulldog and his heel Mean Street Posse, and he's with all these randos. It it doesn't look like a good sign for his career trajectory. I think they've very much given up on the heel push and just finishing off the storyline. Um, wonder if it's got anything to do with Russo leaving, because certainly by December, January, Val's back on the babyface side of things. I think he's got a European title run in his future, and yeah, he's not a heel into the new year. So it's almost like they've just got to finish off the program with Al Snow and they'll put Val Venus back to normal. I believe that's what this is in aid of. It's just really weird that they kept him involved, like literally the previous Monday, which would have been the previous day in terms of tapings. And 
it's not a natural transition. Agreed. Bulldog comes out with the posse, hits a big clothesline and a delayed vertical for a two, a DDT for a two, and then the posse stomp on Val at ringside. Um, they all get in the ring and they go four on one. Blackman, Mark Henry, and Gangrel come out. We get a big melee. Um, it was just a bit quick and a bit wasteful for a match this. It was very much just a very quick angle to give some hype to a very cold match for the Survivor Series. Just an angle, you're right. But at the very least, he's always on the scene. Random Steve with his nunchucks right and clean. Random Steve. <laughs> I, I don't know what I was reading, but sometime this week I read a post. It might have been Facebook or Reddit or something that was like, you know, name that one wrestler that you always found boring. And someone said Steve Blackburn. And I was like, oh, Duncan's not going to like this. But I didn't have time to do anything because the comments tore them to shreds. Yes! There we go. <laughs> Steve Blackburn has um, <laughs> 20 years later gotten over. <laughs> but it's the OSW rule, isn't it? Be really shit in the current day. Get over 20 years later. <laughs> End up in the boy stable. Yes. Um, we then have a backstage uh, meeting of Arnie and The Rock, which I will splice in here. The gist of this one being that Arnie's telling The Rock there's a lot of jabronis in Hollywood. I can't do the accent. <laughs> there's a lot of jabronis in Hollywood. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really big pop when those two crossed, um, crossed over by each other backstage. Very, very good. Yeah. We'll compare and contrast this to when Arnie bumps into another star later on. Yeah, fair, fair. We then go to the moment we've all been dreading, and no, it's not the start of Thunder. <laughs> it's the Big Show and Big Boss Man funeral scene. Um, I didn't take notes because this is burned into my memory. <laughs> it's um, there, there's always been questions for me. Um, from you know what, twenty plus years ago when I actually saw this, it happens far too slowly for it to make sense. <laughs> Big Show could have just walked up to the boss man and decked him at any point. I suppose in kayfabe, it's um, oh, it's his funeral. He's trying to be um, what's what's the phrase? Civilized, but then his reaction kind of blows that out over water. For anyone that doesn't have the benefit of having this bird in their brain, the boss man shows up at the funeral in the Blues Brothers cop car with a giant speaker on top. Yes! (laughs) Insults the big show, chains the casket to the back of the car like you would a trailer, and then as he's driving off, big show dives under the casket and gets a little, like, um, what do you call it when you're, um, uh, like, kind of water skiing, but on a bodyboard behind the speedboat. Oh, like like wakeboarding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until he falls off and just crumples into a fucking heap. <laughs> yeah, but oh, that loud hailer that a boss man had on his car, it was comical. It was like he had the Liberty Bell on the back of his car. <laughs> the juxtaposition of the funniest, like, 
most ridiculous outlandish thing ever and the seriousness of like interrupting one of the, the, his opponent's parents funeral oh it was um I, i'm not sure why the boss band didn't become a bona fide main eventer after this angle <laughs> uh one of boss man's quips when he was chaining up big show's daddy's cast it he goes Daddy always wanted to be a drag queen, Big Show. I'm going to make him a drag queen right now. <laughs> Things you couldn't say on SmackDown in 2023 right there. <laughs> Probably true. Yeah. It, they recapped the whole rivalry up to this point before the show these clips as well. And it turned out last Monday on Raw, Bossman read his poem in memorial to the Big Show's daddy as well. <laughs> Oh, I, a couple of years ago, I'm sure I could have recited that from memory, um, but I don't think I've got it in me anymore. I know it's um, soon he'll be eaten by worms is in there. That's <laughs> the line that I can remember. That was on when it was Raw's 15th anniversary and they did a best of compilation DVD for that. That segment was on there. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> Oh man, um, this is just yeah, really outlandish. If you ha- if you've never seen this, I implore you to go just type in Big Boss Man Big Show on YouTube. You'll find it quickly. We then go to the Boss Man live defending the Hardcore title against Farouk. Boss Man cuts a promo on the Big Show, <laughs> um, and again, I'll give you a splice of that here. See Big Show, I mean Big Freak Show. It doesn't matter what partners you get at Survivor Series. Your chances of beating me are about as stiff as your dad. Give me a break. When is enough enough for this? He's a a damn animal. And the challenger, he weighs in at 278 pounds. Bossman. You think what you did to Big Show's father's funeral was mean, nasty, and cruel? No, let me tell you what's mean, nasty, and cruel, brother. It's when I take that hardcore belt tonight and shove it up your ass. Uh-oh. And here comes for us. Yeah, Boss Man is just, um, he's, he's tearing Big Show to shreds here. So what do you think about this feud getting in a Survivor Series rules match. They're, they're both going to captain teams. Um, knowing the way it's booked and how it goes, I think it does a lot for the big show for what else he has going on that night. Um, but as far as like the blow-off to an angle like this, I think... It does him ultimately. It does him a disservice. I'm probably not giving anything away if I talk spoilers. Obviously, like Big Show decimates the whole team. Boss Man runs off, and he comes out later on and wins the world heavyweight title. But by leaving it lingering, there's such an important like if you go through the history of wrestling and failed champions, so many of them can be traced back to their first opponent. And the Big Boss Man as your first opponent is dooming your title reign right on the spot. Mm, right. Uh, this doesn't really feel like a thing that they do anymore. Like use the Survivor Series to highlight a singles feud. The last I can remember was Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston back in 2009 and in the end I think it really wound up hurting Kofi because he never got the like proper one-on-one pay-per-view shot or win or whatever. And then the course stupid, stupid, stupid happened and that ruined everything. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think... um 
it's not the right way to blow off a big feud like this. Ultimately, I think Big Show probably was never really in the title picture and it was planned for this to extend another month and then when he won the title, it, it just killed the reign. So it was a bit like we talked about with Val Venus earlier. It was like two things sort of coexisting at once and they're a bit poorer for that being the case. I've got another name to propose to you for the, uh, for the title victory once we get to the main event of this show. Okay, okay. Um, match started off with some punches exchanged and some brawling on the floor, a diving chair shot for a two count from boss man, um, steel stairs for a two. And then Farouk starts choking him. Cole says that, um, hanging may be too good for the big boss man and it might be too good, but would it be symbolic, Michael? (laughs) I was going to say it's already happened. (laughs) Maybe that's what happened. He got hung and that's why he's this big bastard now. It took him six months to think of the next line from WrestleMania 15. (laughs) Um, Albert comes out and then um, we get, sorry. um, He maces Farouk. That's, I'm I'm trying to read my word here and I'm like, he does something to Farouk for a one, two, three. Yeah, Mace, you're right. Bradshaw comes out and nails um, Albert with a chair and chases the boss man out of town. So this is a bit of a waste, this one. I don't think it really made the Acolytes look great or the boss man, to be honest. I appreciate the anarchy of the spots that they packed into this one. I could have gone for a lot more of this because it was really nasty in places. But as you say, it's just extremely short. Yeah, yeah. Um, we then go to Kevin Kelly with China and Miss Kitty. Um, and this might be the podcast debut of China saying vagina envy. Wow. Talk about catchphrases consigned to the misfits bin or whatever. Yeah. Um, vagina never really hit the mainstream, did it? I don't think so. <laughs> moving right along we go to a commercial and then um after the commercial we see jericho came in after the promo and attacked china with a glass vase making her bleed but it looked a little bit fake the way it was set up to be honest like it just looked like she'd lie down during the ads and they'd put a bit of fake blood on her and smash some glass around her it, wa- it wasn't an impactful one for me this uh i thought he attacked her with a little bit of the bubbly <laughs> He then cuts a promo on China. Nothing to write home about there. Shane tries to talk Test out of going into the match um, with The Rock and Kane in there as well. So I'll splice a little bit of their promo in for everybody because it's not often we get megastars such as The Rock, Kane, Shane and Test all in the same room. China's Sunday on pay-per-view for the Intercontinental Championship. Tess, there's no way, man. Look at your face. You're not going out there tonight. Shane, screw it. Pinocchio has bad 80s. He's gone too far this time. I'm doing this. What they said every day. Whoa, 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 The Rock says it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the broken nose. What matters is that we go out there and lay the smack down on their candy asses. Yeah, it seemed like the, um, you know, hindsight being 2020, like the, the booking would suggest you'd, Tess would be going out for Austin to come in, but knowing what we do now, Austin wasn't in the match because he's injured. It just led to some confusing booking here. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Tess would definitely be my candidate for slotting in. And then we get some stuff later on tonight that makes it even more natural. Um, mm. I have to say, so I, I was more of a fan of the Jericho and China angle than you were. I feel like this was the kind of thing that they needed for this feud ages ago. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I think I just didn't really want to boo Chris Jericho against China. I, I think, like, nothing against China, but I felt like 
Jeff Jarrett was a great opponent for her to get over as a babyface, and she was really just breaking away from Triple H. She needed someone that the crowd desperately wanted to boo as the next opponent, like I said earlier about like winning the championship. It's all about the first opponent quite often. I think Jericho's just got... At this point, he's got the wrong kind of charisma as a heel for this feud. Jarrett nailed it perfectly, probably because he's got the whole like Memphis attitude. Yeah, and, and spoiler alert, but by the end of this feud, the crowd's solidly behind Jericho and China's intercontinental title reign is basically ruined as a result of it. So, um, not blaming Jericho, but it was just the wrong booking in my opinion. No, I just feel like for me, and not to generalise here because all people who make generalisations are idiots, but <laughs> in general, I find the best heels are hypocrites. And if Jericho's going to be like this big chauvinist, and he does something like this where he actually shows that really, actually, he thinks China is a real threat to him and kind of escalates things with the way he attacks her and stuff. That would be a good way to go down things. But then I think when you have him do his follow-up promos and his catchphrases are far superior to the China envy, then it's kind of obvious which way the crowd is going to go. Yeah, yeah, agree. Our next contest sees Brian Christopher with Scott Too Hot Taylor taking on Jeff Hardy with Terry and Matt Hardy. Um, Good match this one to start with, with Jeff uh, tossing Brian Christopher out early, hitting a baseball slide and then a swanton from over the top rope to the floor. So really hot start. Obviously, swanton's not an established finisher, but it was still pretty sick to see. Very good spots. My issue is Grandmaster barely solved them. Uh, he comes back with a back suplex and a Northern Lights for a two count, a missile drop kick. Um, some very, very early too cool here. They're still getting the dancing. They're still heel too cool, so it's interesting to watch. Um, jump in. And on the match graphic, there's still Brian Christopher with Scott Taylor. Yeah, it's uh, very much easing into the gimmick here. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy hits a low blow and then a top rope Hurricane Rana for a two count. He then hits a top rope crossbody, and we get a distraction by Terry and failed cheating by Too Cool, and then failed cheating by the Hardys, and Brian Christopher picks up the win with the stroke for the one, two, three. This one caught me completely off guard. Mm. Yeah, there were some nice spots in here. I found the selling dodgy, and the Hardys came off looking pretty geeky, trying and failing to cheat. Like... They're not in a very good position. We've spoken about this before. Considering they had this star-making match at No Mercy, you wouldn't think it looking at their booking. Yeah, Terry's been a bit of a hindrance to them, and I loved Terry in 1999, so sorry to say that. (laughs) Oh, well. Like, even at this stage, I think Jericho's getting better treatment than them. Jericho was the one that saw them tear down the house and was like, right, I'm never going to not be on a pay-per-view again after this. And he's the one that's being put in a better and more prominent spot. Yeah, fair. Arnie then gets to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin, and this one's, uh, I, I basically wrote, friendly fluff here. Nothing too much to, um, nothing of note. Arnie, the master of the segue here, he tells Austin, Ah, oh, give him hell. Talking of hell, I fought the devil just in my last movie, so it's doable. <laughs> I don't think I've seen End of Days, but spoiler, because we're going to talk about all that very soon. Oh, uh, it recently I noticed it got added to Prime, and I meant to watch it, but I couldn't get around to it. Um, so how do you think Arnie interacting with Austin compares to him interacting with Rock? I felt like Rock came off like the biggest star. 
Absolutely. Yeah, Austin just didn't seem all that interested. No, it was like Brock, you know, I, I don't know if he'd, I don't think he'd been in The Mummy Returns at this point, had he? No. No, Mummy Returns was 2001. Yeah, okay, so he hadn't even done, like, his first cameo, but yeah, he came across like he was, like, a level star with Arnie and Austin. It came across like a little forced and a bit of a waste. Yeah. Austin was in full-on Boomhauer mode. He was very, very casual, Stone Cold. I think his personal circumstances were distracting him a little bit here. Um, but, yeah, like you say, it's clear that The Rock is on the ascension here. I think in terms of the way the crowd treat him, he's on level, maybe even better off than Austin. And this kind of... I feel like he comes off better from the endorsement from Arnie than Austin does. Yeah, agree completely. And maybe that's um, more of a natural thing, knowing The Rock becomes the Hollywood um, sort of, you know, megastar. Like, maybe we just saw a bit of foreshadowing of that there. Well, they pay that off again in the rundown slash Welcome to the Jungle when Rock's going into that club and he passes Arnie coming out and Arnie tells him, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I remember that moment when I saw it in the cinema as feeling like like a real Hollywood passing of the torch. Yeah, I felt the same. Um, okay, so um, from there we go to Vince McMahon coming out with the World Heavyweight title. And no, don't worry, he didn't win it on Raw. Um, it's going to be the 418th mention of End of Days for the evening. Um, and he's going to give a world title to Arnold for basically becoming a champion of Hollywood. Um, and Arnold comes out, gets a big chant. He is over like all hell in 99, um, not going to lie. But he does exaggerate the truth a little bit when he says that 500 million people are watching this. See, he fits right into the wwf <laughs> yeah exactly right um oh my god but good segment i thought vincent um came off quite likable here arnie was over as hell um bit of a, a rub and a chance to um sell his movie to everyone as well i think mutually beneficial very very good here so he was being rewarded the undisputed box office championship of the world and then he thanks Vince for the belt, so he might have got into some trouble there on that one. Yeah. Vince's rundown at the start is funny when he's talking about all of Arnie's Hollywood accomplishments. It's like, he's beaten the Barbarians, he's beaten the Terminators, he's beaten the Predators, and he's even got a lap dance off of Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh my! <laughs> Proper Vince. Um, maybe that's where the inspiration for the Stacey Keebler lap dance, which became a meme, came from. Oh boy. <laughs> um, we go to Ivory taking on Tori Ivory defending the women's championship Deborah, Luna, Jacqueline, Moolah and May all come out Ivory hits an X-Factor Terry comes out um, Tori hits a clothesline um, to Ivory sending her to the floor The um, Moolah and May get some shots in they follow her into the ring we've got a disqualification 30 seconds in and we have a we want puppies chant so women's wrestling in 1999 right yeah they're not even getting a survivor series match it's a sudden death match um ivory made a quip about tori liking smoked sausage because she's dating kane um in the brawl literally terry and deborah don't brawl they just puss each other <laughs> it's up uh, this is so poor <laughs> I want to circle back because there's a couple of DX skits that are really, really worthwhile. So once Arnie's done celebrating, they cut to DX watching in their locker room and Triple H is all pissed off because Arnie's got a 
championship belt like him and he goes who'd he ever beat and X-Pac quick as anything quips Jesse Ventura (laughs) (laughs) oh okay good one I I can't believe I completely missed that one out yeah and then after that they go looking for Arnie to go and beat him up but they just run into some random production guy and then they stop themselves and go who the hell is that and then just shrug and keep beating him up yeah, and then the next one, which I did note, is they accidentally walk into the babyface locker room and get attacked. Uh, ends with a bit of a pull apart, and we go to commercial. Very good. We get our kaboom of the week, the Rock beating X-Park, but then being attacked by DX. And then it's time for our main event. So it is, um, oh, right before the main event, we see the Doctor with Tess telling him he's got a broken nose. So hopefully he's going to be wearing a plastic mask, which is more than adequate for you to keep fighting on him wrestling if you have a broken nose. <laughs> uh, Arnie is our honorary expert commentator for this match. Yeah, and yeah. I've, he's, even, he's even calling it on the house mic for the crowd. I actually didn't mind Arnie on commentary, which we'll talk about as we go through, just because he was so enthusiastic. Oh, for sure. He's talking with Lawler. They've got the banter straight down immediately. He's like, look at you, you're true king. And King (laughs) asked him for an autograph and he goes, I've given you four already. What's the matter with you? (laughs) He is on point. Um, Tess doesn't come out at the start. Um, Austin music hits but the sounds are quite muffled it's like they're underwater so I know you made the analogy of um, I can't remember what it was that you said earlier like running uphill or something but yeah the sounds all the way through like right to the main event not not working you're going through a train tunnel basically that that was it that was yeah. it Kane and X-Pac brawl to the back and they're counted out apparently so that's a proper Survivor Series finish if I've ever seen one <laughs> Duggan special when Kane come out King was like hey does this guy look a little familiar to you Arnie and he he, has, he takes a moment to realise Oh, he's like the devil, that's right. <laughs> we get a high knee from Triple H and then a delayed vertical from Billy Gunn picks up a two. Shane McMahon hits a spear and a back elbow. Austin stops DX double teaming. We get the road dog uh, jabs. We get the Billy Gunn famouser for the one, two, three on Shane. Rock is now in a three on one, but Tess comes out. Billy Gunn uses a chair to eat a DQ. The road dog pins the rock, but only gets a two. Road Dog um, comes off the second rope and eats a boot. We get a hot tag um, from Tess to the Rock. Sorry. Um, Rock hits a rock bottom on Road Dog for the three. Triple H hits a low blow and then nails the ref. And Austin comes in uh, swinging the chair. But Triple H ducks and hits the Rock. Arnie gives him another trip chair. With that, he nails Triple H. And this allows Tess to pick up the pin for the one, two, three and to be the sole survivor. Exactly right. So, you know, seems fairly certain that he'd be due a title shot down the line right one would only think so <laughs> i'm i'm also going to put over arnie um beyond what we've talked about already he was putting over the rock pretty heavily as well he's like he's got all kinds of things cooking they call him the handsomest wrestler ever <laughs> so arnie was brilliant this is two weeks in a row we've had this survivor series match going back a fair way for us in terms of when we were recording, but how do you think this compared to the first one we had? You know, like, I think the other one was a better match, but I enjoyed this more because of everything else going on, and particularly the the ending, which we haven't gotten to yet here, with um, Triple H swinging at Arnie, who ducks and then nails him, and then Austin and Arnie toasting a beer to, to throw out the segment. So I think 
Schwarzenegger's involvement just made this one a bit more enjoyable for me. But how, how about you? Which one did you prefer? I think as a match, this one is vastly inferior. I think this sells the Survivor Series slightly better, and you know, getting the rub with Arnie involved is also really good fun. Um, I think like half of the personnel involved got written off of most of the match, so it it didn't feel quite like a proper Survivor Series match like the last one, but. Um, I thought it was kind of funny as well. Mr. I'm a better entertainer than Brett and I could do everything that The Rock could do, Road Dog. He was the one that Shane got all his hope spots in on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where were you on the totem pole really, Road Dog? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of revisionist history and I'm, I'm actually a big Road Dog fan, but I've had to stop listening to his podcast because I'm becoming less of a road dog fan with every episode I oh. download. There's there's far too many wrestlers like that. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I, I really enjoyed this. And I think, you know, this wasn't the most eventful episode of SmackDown, but I think the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff and the continued storyline push towards the Survivor Series meant it's still a, a quite worthwhile show to watch, even if some of the matches were a little bit short and left a bit to be desired. Yeah, bit of a dip from last week. Arnie is the thing that makes it worthwhile, particularly with that main event. That's the best thing on the show. Other stuff, the in-ring didn't really matter that much. The angles, the quote-unquote poor taste angles veered from genuinely in poor taste to absolutely hilarious. Um, So I'd encourage everyone to check out Arnie arriving and the boss man interrupting the funeral. Absolutely. And with that, we go to half time. And keeping on the Arnie train, I thought, Dunk, for this week, what we might do is each select our top three Arnold Schwarzenegger films. Oh, right. Okay. This is going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, before we before we get to the top three, any like really horrendous Arnie films you can recall? <laughs> um, oh, God. He's been in loads of them. I have to mention, I haven't seen it, but the, I think it's called The Sixth Day? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the one sure he, on his filmography. Yeah, it's it's the one he did right after End of Days we're seeing mm-hmm. here, and it must have been a Universal film because it's all like, oh, you're in the future and stuff, and the XFL is the football league of the future. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I've got to I've got to mention for like bad ones, uh, Batman and Robin. That's one of the worst films I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> oh yeah, I. Oh my god, I think I got most of the action figures from that range. I loved all the Kenner toys from that. But I didn't see the actual film for like two years after I collected all the toys. I was just like, oh god, this is... I I watched that in the opening of a new cinema in a very small country town I was living in at the time. Um, It was was one of the first films they showed. It was such a small town that having four screens was like the name of the the cinema when it opened, something to that effect. Four (laughs) screens. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's how small the town was. Um, But yeah... um, it was it was very terrible. So that's probably on my list. Um, can't say you know I'm I'm a huge Twins fan. It's got its moments, but um, not my kind of Arnie film. I like the action stuff personally. So um, I've got a couple of honourable mentions. Um, I'm going to go with Eraser and Commando. They don't make my top three, but I do enjoy both of those films. Oh yeah, okay. Um, have you got Have you got? I know I've put you on the spot here, but. Have you got three that you that you think would, would make your top three? So my honourable mention 
let you say it's in a different direction is Jingle All the Way. And, oh, you know, yes. We'll get bonus big show in that way too. <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you, I, even though Arnie's got this great charisma, I prefer him as an action star rather than the comedy star, but I still think he's very good at the comedy. Um, I think for me, if I had to go top three, I think at three, again, a little bit off off the track here, he did this kind of low-key horror film called Maggie. I've never seen it. There you go. He was a dad of, I think it was Abigail Breslin that played the part. Uh, his daughter was becoming a zombie and um, it's kind of like coping with that in the wilderness and stuff. It's very worthwhile, very kind of different from his MO that I think it'd be worth looking at. Two, I think I would go with True Lies. Good film. That's that's actually my number three. Oh, all right, okay. And hands down, number one is Terminator 2. Just the perfect action movie. Fair, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So I've got a... True Lies is my number three. And then I've got... I actually number two for me is predator mm-hmm. so yeah. the first predator is a brilliant film absolutely love it watched it a few months ago um i'm sad to leave out terminator one because i do think it's fantastic but my number one as well is terminator two um for many 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 years that was my favorite film i remember playing terminator two on sega mega drive or super nintendo at like the video store i loved everything about it the um the pop culture references that spawned for years terminator 2 was just for a long time like to me the pinnacle of cinema as the set pieces are just terrific yeah absolutely phenomenal even the um the simpsons spoof of it with um is it homer chasing ned flanders with the golf club <laughs> yeah <laughs> and him fading into the bush which everybody uses as a as a meme now Yes, yes, yes. I um, I have a coffee cup of that that I bought last week. <laughs> <laughs> in Primark, they do lots of hoodies with him stepping back into the, the the bush. Brilliant. That is absolutely phenomenal. All right. Well, I think we've stalled long enough and we probably have to go and watch Thunder. <laughs> oh, God, right. Yeah. <laughs> starts uh with mike tenay and larry zabisco running down the card um this is i'm gonna start off and just say like don't feel free to interrupt me at any point during the show because this is one of those shows where so much was going on i really struggled to keep up with my notes and it felt like nothing happened by the end of the show all at once ah sure yeah okay yeah i'll I'll be on top form here 
So we've got Lash LaRue taking on Evan Courageous. Um, we see Nitro with Evan Courageous trading blows with a referee, which is a good way to make him look weak to start the show. <laughs> well, so speaking of referees, it looked like the referee was walking out to Lash's music because he's the first guy you see on the ramp when he's coming down. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, and Lash even spelled out the L shaved into his sideburns just in case you missed it. For Rosie, baby. <laughs> So you mentioned this feud with the referee. The same referee that Evan is supposedly feuding with is refereeing this match. <laughs> Continuity. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Disco Inferno comes out and joins the commentary team. He's a cruiserweight champion. Medusa also comes out to watch. Um, and this just starts an absolute shit show for the first match here. Larry, ever the professional, when Disco comes out, puts him over huge. Who's he? <laughs> he didn't watch Nitro, apparently. No. Evan Courageous with a head scissors, a clothesline to the floor. Disco goes to hit on Medusa. This becomes the running theme of the show, of the match, sorry, where Disco will tell the commentary how slick he is, go to Medusa, get rejected, and go back and try again. <laughs> um, it, it is not overly funny. Evan Courageous with a 10-punch spot. Lash Larue with the Northern Lights for a 2 Larry Zavisco hits a nail on the head when he says, well, I'm trying to watch too many things at one time, and that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I've noticed here, he says, I'm trying to watch the match. I'm like, well, it was the first time for everything. <laughs> we get a Fez press from Courageous, and then he breaks up Medusa and Disco. Medusa slaps um, Courageous, I think, um, sends him back in, and Lash Larry hits a Death Valley driver for the one, two, three. Disco gets in the ring and bets 25,000 that he can beat... Uh, is it, who can he beat at, at Mayhem? Is it Lash Evan. LaRue? Evan Courageous, sorry. Yeah. The match is accepted. Lash LaRue gets in and nails Disco, and they all leave to a very strange end of the first match. So, in amongst that, there were actually a couple of nice moves, but that angle, it took way too long, and it dragged the rest of this down 100%. Gene is then with Berlin and the wall, <laughs> and they kind of promo. <laughs> <laughs> I got a promo on Curly Bill because this show is on some form of drugs. Oh my god. <laughs> um Tanae and Larry, when they were introducing themselves earlier, they were hyping up Sid and Saturn in the main event. A whole week after they were forced to team together by the powers that be. Um and Larry says the powers that be will either turn out to be wise men or fools, which I think is a bit of a shoot. <laughs> Sid's then looking for Rick Steiner, and the only highlight of this is that he asks Terry Taylor where he is. And it's Terry Taylor, but he just goes, Hey, agent! <laughs> Berlin takes on Curly Bill. Um, we see that Vampiro beat... Um, who did he, he beat Berlin, and Berlin cost him his match in the world title tournament. Bill then comes out, hits a clothesline. Berlin hits a power bomb. Um, we've got the the misfits coming out, except it's it's only one of them. Oh, I've completely lost my notes here already <laughs> in this match. If you want to take over on this one, be my guest. Yes. Yeah, so Virgil actually springs out of the corner and escapes um, when Berlin had seemingly caught him for a snake eyes. Then Berlin essentially arm drags himself at one point. Virgil is just terrible in this match. 
Larry is onto Berlin being Alex Wright previously, and Tanae's slagging him off like, but it's on the form sheet. <laughs> it's Jerry only that comes out and he grabs the mic talking about vampires reigning supreme. Even if Berlin beats his dark angels, he challenges Berlin to come out to the back. If you've got the sack, wall then chases him off. So Vampiro can come in through the crowd to attack Berlin with the chain, which causes a DQ. Virgil covers Berlin and tries to count his own pin, but gets shit canned out by the wall. Anyway, what a loser. Yeah, my note here is that this all lasted about 30 seconds. I gave it a rating of angle and not a good one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I yeah, was really struggling through this one. I, I think partly because I'd never seen Jerry only. I'd never even heard the name before. So trying to figure out what the hell was going on here really threw me for a loop. Oh, I didn't even realise Misfits were a band. I've only known them as like lackeys in this feud. We go to the back in jeans with Silver King and Laparka, and Laparka now speaks fluent English, um, which appears to be dubbed in, and I will splice that for you, um, proving that they beat Kai and Tai to the punch with this angle. The WCW locker room. Silver King and Laparka, you in particular, the powers that be, seem to be making you the butt end of their jokes. <laughs> you know what? Let me tell you something, right? Me and Laparka... So we are better than no one. What Kingfish means to say is that tonight, a new day dawns for the international specialists in WCW. The joke with the subtitles during my promo last week was cute. I got the point loud and clear. You want me to speak English? You got it. And now let's get down to business. Enough of these Tijuana car wreck curtain jerkers. Now I'm ready for anything they want to throw at me. Because they may be the powers to be, but I'll always be the chairman of the board. Laparka, how do you do that? Yeah, so Laparka's got this proper Stan Smith booming American voice, and he has to correct Silver King when he goes, We are better than no one! <laughs> um, Laparka's still a guilty pleasure of mine, even if Russo's trying to ruin him. We then see Chavo Guerrero's new direction. He's trying to sell shit to foreign wrestlers. Um, this time it's bug spray to Villano. Um, I don't quite understand the purpose of this angle. Just to get Chavo on TV, I guess. This is this is Russo's thing. Hey, as long as everybody's got an angle they can get on TV, don't care if it makes sense, though. Gene's uh, then with Rick Steiner, but Sid finds them, comes in, and they have a brawl and a pull apart. It's a Pearl Harbor from the front. <laughs> and we go to Silver King and Laparka taking on Lismark Jr. and Villano. Um, Laparka gets on the mic, says he's learnt English, and um, he's still booked in crappy matches. And as far as like the um, the Russo work shoot lines go, that one was one of the better ones for me. His moniker, I'm realising the promo earlier when he referred to himself as the chairman of the board, it made me realise, oh, I guess that's why Vince never hired him then. <laughs> we get a four-man brawl and then a tilt-a-whirl slam from Liz Mark, a clothesline from the Parker, a clothesline from Villano, and then a blockbuster-type move. We get a super kick from Silver King, a monkey flip from Liz Mark, and a suicide dive. And then we go to the... the 
series of dives from all the cruiserweights. And while they're doing it, we see, I think you mentioned this a few episodes back, just a shitty plain grey ring apron with no branding on it. Yeah. Uh, La Parker finishes things, finishes things off with a corkscrew moonsault for a one, two, three, and then nails Evram with the chair. So not a bad little cruiserweight match. Not much to it. Um, no real heat behind it, but a few good moves in there. Yeah, really like some of the high flying in this one, especially the everyone out of the pool spots with all the series of dives near the finish. But oh my god, can you stop playing silly buggers with the heel and face dynamics, please? Yeah, it would be good. Um, we then see the wall and Berlin beating up Curly Bill in the toilet um, because reasons. Well, in the rare bit of good production here, the cameraman has to sprint to that scene, which is kind of realistic. It's like they've actually spotted it. <laughs> we then go to Gene with Kurt Hennig um, cutting a bang average promo. Um, this is just... Yeah, like he's lost all his spark here by this point for me. I, I wasn't really pleased to see Kurt Hennig on screen today. Well, apparently once you've had the Kurt Hennig experience, then you'll know why he's the greatest athlete and wrestler in WCW. Yeah, great. Uh, it's not quite absolutely perfect, is it? I know, right. Maybe six or seven years ago, there'd be some truth for this, but he's not at his best at the minute. No. We then go to Chavo trying to sell more junk to foreign wrestlers. No idea why. And we get to a rundown of the tournament matches. I hate these rundowns. I think I've said it on the last few shows, but they are just so much information being thrown at you so quickly. So I'll try my best to keep up here. Bret Hart um, beat Satin. Benoit beat Medusa. And Buff Bagwell beat uh, Vampiro. Um, Scott Hall beat Lash LaRue. Jeff Jarrett beat Kurt Hennig. But it's a count out, so he's not retired because he's also in a stipulation where he gets pinned that he has to retire from wrestling. Um, Quarterfinals, Lex and Sting. Bret Hart versus Billy Kidman. Chris Benoit versus Scott Hall. And Buff Bagwell versus Jeff Jarrett. So we are down to eight from a 32-man tournament. Yeah, in summary, there's way too much interference in this one. Yeah, it's um not like I. This seems to have gone on for a month and felt far less important than the Deadly Game tournament. I promise I will get my blog post on this back up at some point. Google took it down because there's some kind of malware complaint for some reason. Oh, I think it was one of the gifts I sub- I stole from someone. We then have Gene with Booker T, and they talk about um, the woman who helped him on Nitro. Um, There's a lot of non-ring stuff and quick segments, which is, I think, my issue here. Like, it feels like someone's just randomly booking the last um, version of their GM mode before going to bed, which I know I've said before about Thunder. I'm certain of it. Um, Sid's with Rick Steiner, watching Rick Steiner on the screen, and then Disco on the phone with someone he owes money to. Um, But they would forgive the debt if he retired Kurt Hennig um I'm my head's spinning yes so Disco wagered this 25 grand as a way to try and get 25 grand to pay this off and he's been given another out for that so it's like well okay he's kind of dug himself two graves here in in essence Mm. we then got Booker T taking on Rick Steiner for the TV championship um I've got here a note, Penta says something on the introduction, but it's too quiet to hear. He informs us that Booker T is a six-time former television champion. 
Ah, that's what he said. There you go. Um, I definitely um, heard him say something and couldn't make out what the info was. Rick Steiner jumps him early. We get a forearm from Booker and a sidekick. A belly-to-belly from Steiner for a two before they brawl along the outside. A scissor kick from Booker, but he misses. Uh, he goes for a missile drop kick, sorry, and catches the referee. Steiner hits a DDT, but this brings out Sid, who hits a powerbomb and puts the ref in for the one, two, three. So Booker T is now a seven-time TV champion, but wait, wait, wait. A second referee's coming out, raises Rick Steiner's hand. So Sid power bombs both referees, Steiner and Sid Brawl, and Booker T just leaves. And I think the decision was reversed, and only because the commentary team seemed to think that themselves. Yeah, I put winner question mark. Um, it was perfectly fine as a TV match before we got all that nonsense at the end. I thought it was kind of funny. Steiner did the Steiner recliner, and he's the wrong Steiner. <laughs> I guess he might lose it in the divorce soon. <laughs> um, we've then got uh, somebody walking backstage. Um, it's the Revolution and Hennig are walking, ready for this upcoming match. Yeah, um, and we've got Disco watching. We go to a commercial. I've just got here. I, I'm, I'm at the halfway point of the show, and I've just got this has been a tough slog. <laughs> It's Hennig versus Dean Malenko next. Um, we have Shane Douglas, Satin, and Asia come out. Asia, by the way, the dumbest name in wrestling at this point in time, surely. <laughs> um, when when Disco popped out of the door, like you said, Tanay goes, we just saw him moments ago. And Larry goes, I didn't just see him moments ago. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Douglas joins the commentary team. They exchange pins um, early, and then we get an eye poke from Hennig. Malenko powders and sees a... Um, we see a big speaker at ringside. That was a, a bit of a strange one. Um, some production cost-cutting going on there. I noted that down too. I'm like, what the hell is that there for? We've got a back suplex from Malenko for a one, a chin lock, and then some chops from Hennig. Knee lift and the, the snap-over neck breaker, which I always liked. Malenko comes back with a leg lariat. Um, we see Saturn chatting to some girl at ringside. Asia's distract, uh, distracts, and then we get Shane Douglas nailing, but Disco Inferno comes out to steal the pin. Um, Asia and Disco then distract the referee. Benoit comes out, hits top rope headbutt on Malenko, and this allows Henning to pick up the one, two, three. This is just... It's madness. Oh, boy. <sighs> right, beyond all the storyline nonsense... Hennig just looks well past his best here. Any glimmers of his former glories just seem to gas him out. Like, there was a point where Malenko was supposed to knacker him with a low blow, and Kurt already looked finished way before then. It's bad. Um, He looks a lot better in 2002 than he does in 99 somehow. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Um, And again, like strap in because there's a lot going on here Steiner and Sid pull apart backstage like we haven't already had one of them tonight um, Gene with the maestro which I will splice in here you're going to be playing a new tune tonight because you're going to be facing Brian Nobbs in a hardcore match I also have the feeling that you don't have a whole lot of experience in this kind of match Gene lest you forget that the maestro is the consummate performer here in WCW which means that I can play a symphony of destruction just as well. Brian Nobbs is certainly a tough man, but the maestro's ability will overcome the savage beast within him. For you see, the maestro 
is a man of superior musical taste. <laughs> but if it's a heavy metal performance that he wants, ha, then it's a heavy metal performance he shall receive. Oh my god, Maestro looked absolutely ancient in this interview. <laughs> the Maestro has become my WCW guilty pleasure. <laughs> He's become the IRS of retroactive wrestling on the other side. Oh, Jesus. Well, instead of tax puns, he does all his music puns, promising to play a symphony of destruction and giving a heavy metal performance because he's the consummate performer. He's going to be taking on Nobs in a hardcore match. Um, We've got a commercial before we see Nobs and Jimmy Hart with Gene. They cut a very shouty promo. Um (laughs) We then go to... Oh, sorry, it's uh, Maestro taking on Nobs. Yep, Norman Smiley comes out. Um, oh, by the way, Maestro has sparkly pyro and bubbles. Um, so a bit of a West Ham intro for him there. Bubbles! <laughs> yeah, bubbles for his promo. Oh, I uh, for his entrance. Yeah. <laughs> um, Norman Smiley comes out and joins the commentary team because we've not had a guest commentator on every match so far. Um, he'll be facing Nobs at the pay-per-view. Nobs unloads with weapons and a pit stop. Maestro comes back with some chair shots and a roll-up for a two. Jimmy Hart grabs his leg. Nobs hits him with a can. Jimmy Hart argues with Norman Smiley. And then Jimmy Hart, in his first family jacket, um, just really shows me how low he's fallen on the managerial totem pole. (laughs) Yeah, he's calling Norman the biggest joke in the company and Norman's putting his hands up like, I'm just a broadcaster. If I had my wrestling attire, I'd beat him like I was his father. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god on on the jacket by the way um hugh morris knobs and jerry flynn jerry flynn <laughs> norman smiley nails jimmy hart um with the violin case and then knobs with a pipe and maestro picks up the one two three um maestro, maestro beating brian knobs thanks to the interference of norman smiley is as 1999 wcw as any sentence i'll ever say <laughs> Now, fair play, Maestro made me laugh with that finish because Nobs had got his clock cleaned, clearly. But Maestro, he doesn't do a normal cover. He does a jackknife cover on the outside of the ring. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> it's just oh, like unnecessary extra garnish that just makes this absolutely hilarious. We then see the filthy animals walking and it's time for Billy Kidman and Conan with Tori and Eddie Guerrero taking on Jerry Flynn and the Barbarian. Um, The animals intro is quite cool here. Um, I do feel bad for Barbarian though. He is not in a good spot here. (laughs) Um, uh, Who started off? I think it was Eddie. He was saying that, oh, they're, they're fighting the first family, but they're the only familiar here. And then he says three words that fill me with dread. Tell him, Kidman! <laughs> oh, my God. Billy Kidman. I, I, I went back and watched Survivor Series 2002 a week or two ago, and um, Billy Kidman in just regular wrestling tights was a little bit of a downgrade. But, God, his theme music at the WWE was heaps better. <laughs> I, he's, a, he's a great worker, but they, they did the best with him in the WWF to shut up and wrestle. Yeah, yeah. Some moustache on Nick Patrick here, by the way, as well. It is glorious. Yeah. <laughs> um... Eddie eventually thinks better of it and takes the microwave away from Billy, microphone away from Billy, because it's like, hey, we don't need you to have a potty mouth just because Ray's not here. <laughs> when the match gets started, Guerrero nails Jerry Flynn. Um, we have 
Billy Kidman botches a second uh, rope seated senton. Jerry Flynn hits a spin kick from the heart attack position. Barbarian with a backbreaker and a top rope belly to belly, but only gets a two. Conan with a superplex, and then Kidman with a splash off the second picks up the one, two, three. So, um, yeah, filthy animals on a little bit of a roll, and first family can't catch a break. I thought the heat on Kidman was tremendous. That finish, while innovative, it didn't quite work for me, given all the beating that they gave Kidman earlier. It kind of came out of nowhere. I've got to give Conan props for his hot tag, and Kidman had a real... Oh, sorry. If you would have given Conan a proper hot tag and Kidman a real hope spot, I think you would have had a very good tag match here. Yeah, yeah. Jeans with Lex Luger and Liz, um, a decent arrogant promo, but nothing special. Um, yeah, so they, they messed up running the video of um, his scam knee injury and you see a glimpse of the arena and then they have to just abandon it and you get Lex's response anyway. <laughs> we then get a revolution promo um, calling Saturn an idiot. Or have I called Satin an idiot? <laughs> oh no, Dean, they do call Satin an idiot. Dean Malenko says, who writes your promos? <laughs> Perry goes, I do. I've got hundreds of them. Oh my God. Um, you missed the really important part of this show. Please enlighten me. Dissension amongst the Nitro girls. Oh my God. So Kimberly Page resigned as the head of the Nitro Girls and then two of them got into a fight, AC, Jazz and Spice. They keep fighting each other on Nitro and they cut to like talking head clips of all the other Nitro Girls and what they think of them. Fire, I think her name is, it's a redhead Nitro Girl. Um, Blame Spice for trying to jump in and take control after Kim left. AC claims she has the team's interest at heart and Spike is just out for herself. We see an early appearance from Tigris um, saying that they don't want a new member. We also get Queen Charmel saying AC is on a power trip. Just lots of back and forth. Um, they're the only people that I think I know by name in this. Everyone else is like, blonde Nitro girl, Asian Nitro girl. Um, Mate, you did way better than me. I didn't even take a note on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Spice ends this by saying it kills her, but it's come to this, but she's not going to back down. So, you know, another Russo trope here. Everybody can be a wrestler, and the only way that you can be a drawer is if you are a wrestler, which is funny given how wrestling is supposedly not the most important part of the show in his book. And great segue with everyone could be a wrestler because Mike Tanay tells us that on Nitro, Norman Smiley will take on Jimmy Hart. Oh my God. Lex and Liz come out to take on Kaz Hayashi. Lex says he's injured and he does have his knee wrapped, but he's in street clothes. Kaz um, calls him a chicken shit and then, like an idiot, turns around immediately after doing so. Lex jumps him, suplexes, clothesline, puts him in the rack for the submission victory. Uh, Yeah big old squash here i liked lex's routine at the start um apparently despite having over three thousand consecutive matches he would be unable to compete but 
The good news is with proper rest and elevation, he'll be ready to fight Sting on Monday. And then you got the whole thing where, um, as Lex called him, this fine young wrestler Hashi <laughs> got lured into that trap. Um, I really like Lex's terrible liar gimmick over this period. I've got a real soft spot for it. Yeah, agree. We see Sid walking, the revolution chatting. We go to a commercial. We see Kaz um, and LaParka chatting. And we come back and it's our main event, Sid versus Perry Satin. Tanae tells us Rick Steiner will take on Sid on Monday. And Shane Douglas joins the commentary team for some reason. I have no idea why. Oh, he was on commentary for Milenko's match as well. Um, Just again, I think Russo likes guest announcers. Larry at one point proudly proclaims, I've been here 15 years and outlasted seven powers to be, which I thought was a kind of grandpa from the regrets kind of rant. <laughs> oh, we get a clothesline and a backbreaker from Sid. Um, he ducks a satin dive and he hits Malenko, throws him into the front row. Satin hits a T-boat and a, uh, a springboard leg for a two. Sid with a big boot, a choke slam, and a power bomb picks up the one, two, three. He's then stomped by Asia. Um, Dean Malenko comes in and he eats a power bear. He, he eats a power bomb. Sorry. Sid then holds Asia in the power bomb position for an absolute ice age as Rick Steiner slowly comes out to make the save and mercifully puts this show to an end. Well, I thought that was one of the better Sid squashes we've had almost a squash sat and got some nice stuff in the crowd love him i love sid but it's just the nonsense like thunder is just so far beneath sid at this point in time yeah but the even with this kind of like injection of interest from the vols writers from new york it always seems to be the formula is nitro's got two or three top stars to prop up whoever they've got free that Thursday. And Sid always seems to be the one in there amongst them. Yeah, and fair play to him because, I mean, he only works half the year, so he should do both shows. Well, I mean, it's only fair. He's only got half the brain that you do. (laughs) I'm going to call this one early. Because of the, the audio quality on SmackDown, I'll give WCW production value, and they get nothing else. WWF wins hands down for me. What are your ratings, Duncan? Um, yeah, I think Thunder still had a a couple of flubs. It wasn't quite as bad as SmackDown, so I think they should get production as well. Um, yeah, everything else, it it should just be a a whitewash, really. I think the tag title match and Sid and Saturn was the closest thing we got to Thunder actually being the equal of SmackDown in the ring for quite a while, but still nothing could top the main event of Smackdown which is the best wrestling and best angle kind of character work that we got across both shows yeah I think you really made a good point earlier where you said like you know it was one of the weaker Smackdowns for a while or something to that extent and as we started reviewing Thunder, I thought like SmackDown could be like, could it could halve its quality and still triple Thunder right now. Like they are leagues apart. And as you mentioned earlier, we're going to talk ratings at the end. Um, and it was leagues apart. So let me find the number for you. It was Thunder 2.1 to SmackDown's 5.1. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a, that's a great one for SmackDown. 
Yeah, it was an annihilation. I'm not sure if the Schwarzenegger boost, you know, propped Almost up the ratings, but like they are, you know, that is more than double. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm surprised Thunder got a 2.1 because, like, I, I don't think we can be too far into people realising nothing of note is ever going to happen on Thunder again. Yeah, I think... I mean, it did dip into the ones from what I remember before this, so I think getting in the twos is, is good anyway. Um, I, I think we will see them lose that powers that be bump eventually. I think the only thing I can look forward to on, on Thunder is seeing Russo turn up and cut some, like, shoot promos of some description, and I think that would give me something of interest because, like, the storylines and the wrestling, like, the wrestling's okay for some of it. Like, you did mention a couple, but, like, there's no... I'm not one of them people that wants to watch cold matches because they're great matches. I want some sort of emotional investment in my wrestling. And I just don't think I'm going to see a storyline on Thunder again that, that interests me, if I'm being totally honest. I think they're too hamstrung by the taping schedule for that, really. I don't think there's going to be like a meaningful angle with any consequences because of that. Like, I mean, just go by example, the world title tournament, that's all on Nitro. They had so many matches to get through and they can't even put one of them on Thunder. Yeah, yeah, and we get these shitty video packages with five recaps every episode. Oh my God. Yeah, this has become like a cross between, you know, if, if you were to look at WWF shows in the 90s, it's almost like a cross between SmackDown and Superstars. Yeah, I think that you were saying about all the chaos earlier, it's kind of inherited the worst tropes of SmackDown that it had earlier in the run when Russo and Ferrara were still there. Mm-hmm. it's just a lot of recap and a lot of nonsense and yeah. it, it really does and then like the stuff that's on the show as well like I, I you could give one of these like good like matches an extra five minutes and cut 14 people walking people chatting segments backstage like how many times do i need to see the revolution walk up a fucking hallway like <laughs> you know like it's it's literally like playing smackdown to career mode where there just has to be a cut scene between every match well i mean that that's a loading time thing. I don't know what they're supposed to be loading on Thunder. It certainly wasn't good wrestling. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah, Thunder just has this thing show. where, like, even when they're a kind of slightly interesting wrestler like Barbarian, I'd look at them and I'd think, they've still got a job now? I know, like, yeah, so there's so many of them. Like, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, there are people, like, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I I'm obviously wasn't a WCW fan, but, like, I don't recall Norman Smiley and Maestro being around in 96. Why are they still hiring more people? They have 4,000 wrestlers and half of them don't appear on the shows already. Yeah. Uh, anyway, rant over. SmackDown dominates. Um, and I think that will be like the blanket rating. I'd be shocked. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for... I could see you doing it. You coming into one ratings and going, actually, Lee, this week I'm going to give it to Thunder. And I hope that happens because it will mean something watchable has occurred. I've got a feeling uh, Jushin Liger comes over on Exchange one time. I remember from when I was watching all of these on YouTube rips um, when mm. I was trying to get to sleep in the, in the old days. I'm hoping something good comes up from that, but I, I'm not hopeful. I'm, I'm not optimistic. I'm assuming you, we just see him backstage eating sushi and have English dubbed over on his promo. Oh, no. 
<laughs> that's, like, that's how they treat the foreigners. Like, if, if, if he gets in the ring and gets a 15-minute match, we might give them a win. I'm a big Jushin Thunder Liger fan as well. Um, from I, do you, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm a bit older than you, Dunk. But, like, were you of the era? Or, like, do you remember when things like LimeWire and Kazaa were a thing? I was only on um, dial-up when those things started. So I didn't do that. Not for videos at, at all. Yeah, so when it went, like... I was probably on dial-up as well, but, like, what I would do, like, we would have... I, I'm, my memory's a bit hazy because it's a long time ago, but I think we had, like, you could dial in and you had 12 hours before it disconnected. So, and it was, like, a local call. So, if I was on the internet and then I was going to bed and, you know, it had just disconnected or I just, I had many hours left, I'd just start downloading. And you could download, and even if you woke up the next morning and it wasn't finished, which normally it wouldn't be, it kept the spots, and next time you're on, you could resume. And... Jushin Liger was one of those guys that I was desperately trying to find matches of in Japan. There's very little. I probably downloaded all of two or three matches, but him and I just remember him and Ultimo Dragon being two guys that I just couldn't seem to get enough of yeah. when there was no way to watch any Japanese wrestling in Australia. Nice. Yeah, a bit of a complete rant, but I'm, I am going to Japan, so I'm going to build up some, you know, Japanese wrestling street cred in case I don't get into New Japan next, next week or the week after. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Well that'll do it for the show. I think um good to catch back up and, and chat with you. Um definitely good to see Arnie on SmackDown. That's one of them things that I've never actually watched this episode of SmackDown, so was really pleased to see that finally. But otherwise, um yeah, it was a bit of a drag this one. Yeah, uh, Arnie's good all the time. That perked me up. Everything else was business as usual. Yeah, yeah. What have you got coming up yourself, mate? Um, obviously, I'm probably going to have a few weeks without too much. I might try and, if I can this week, sneak one extra recording in so I've got something to drop while I'm away. But if not, it'll be a few weeks off for me. What, what's happening on your side of the world? Well, by the time you all listen to this, our latest episode will have launched. It's us looking at AEW All In from Wembley Stadium. I was in attendance and Kyle watched on TV, so we were kind of doing a compare and contrast on that front, and I had plenty of tales to tell about my experience, and um, let's just say some fans there had main character syndrome, and it almost spoiled things again. Can't wait to hear this. I'm assuming Kyle watched on TV, because now that he's a legitimate TV star, he doesn't go if he's not booked. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm, um, I just want to see him on trampoline explaining that to you. That would make my year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really keen to hear that episode. I didn't watch the show. Um, I'm, spoiler, I've not watched an AEW pay-per-view because it's 2023 and I'm not paying $50 for a pay-per-view ever again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm keen to hear about it. I, I do like dip in and watch some stuff, like, you know, mostly just on Twitter, like some clips of AEW and maybe... I'm being naive, but it definitely feels like it's on a bit of a downtrend again. Um, in places, yeah, there's there's kind of obstacles getting in their way um, that have really kind of made them hit a wall in certain aspects and kind of re- retreat back to other things. Um, I, I still like it a lot. Uh, Brian Danielson in a ring with anybody is money for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in a very advantageous position here in Britain. From all in onwards, it looks like they're putting the pay-per-views on ITV as well as the regular nice. shows. I thought it was just a one-off for 
all in because it was at Wembley. But Wrestle Dream was on as well the other week, and I watched that and had a tremendous time. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that episode. I'll, I'll probably have something to hear on, on the flight, actually, so that might be where I listen to that. Um, but as always, thanks for jumping on and joining me, and it will be a little while before we record again, but I'm looking forward to um, when I come back, checking out the next SmackDown, if not the next Thunder. Yeah, sure thing. Give us all a follow in the meantime. I've got a Blue Sky account now for the podcast at TNW at Blue Sky Social or however you find it. There we go. Yes, please go and check out and listen to all the episodes and download all the back catalogue as well. Highly entertaining, especially the tape trader diaries, if I do say so myself. Yeah, we will be on Vengeance as promised soon when recording with Kyle in a week or so. Very good. Um, I have been watching Raw and Nitro and the next one of them might not be the next one, might be the one after, but very, very soon in the future of this podcast, Pillman's got a gun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was what I watched last week. So I think I've got an episode to record before that, um, but look forward to that one and, and wait for it with bated breath. Lovely stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening and thanks, Dunk, for joining. Pleasure as always, Lee. And we'll see you next time.